Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Well, hello, y'all. My name is Micah Burgess. I'm a birth doula in Waco, Texas. You are listening to Game Day Birds Not Balls. I'm glad you're with me today. So I have been talking about my own personal birth experiences. And we're on my last birth with this episode. I've already talked about Gabrielle, Jacob, Anna Joy, Isaac, Naomi. If you have not heard those, I would love for you to go back and listen to them. Um, Hopefully there's... I try to find like one theme that I could branch off of as, as an opportunity for you to learn something with each one of my birth stories and with each one of the birth stories, as I was talking, Hey, a gold nugget would appear a freebie would appear that I'm like, Oh, take this one to heart. This is a good, this is a good piece of advice. So I've also been honing in on that too. It's been a lot of fun uh, talking about it with you guys. And so today I'm talking about baby number six, and that would be Levi. My baby is 13 years old, you guys. That is crazy. I cannot believe it's been 13 years. And Levi's story is very, very different from my first five. So hang on to your seats here. Um, obviously, I have five kids and we were actually done having kids. We thought we were done. Five is a large family. Um, they're getting older. We felt like we were moving out of that season of life. And Levi is our big surprise baby. We are thrilled that he is here, but it is not what we thought God had for us. Uh, But he obviously had one more for us. And Levi um, has been an absolute joy. His journey was difficult. Poor little guy. So here we go. I have five children. I find out I'm pregnant and it took me a little bit of time to wrap my head around that if I was going to be honest. So any of you out there that are like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant and I thought I was done or I I didn't want any more kids or whatever. I get you. I understand. And my encouragement to you right away, right up front is, can you just let it be okay for a moment that it's not exactly what you were planning or maybe what you wanted? If you'll allow yourself to just feel that, it'll lighten up quicker. If you keep resisting because you feel guilty for some reason that this isn't exactly what you planned or wanted and you feel guilty about that, it doesn't mean you don't love your baby. It just means you thought you were done having babies. It just means you thought you were done being pregnant and giving birth and being up in the middle of the night. That's that lifestyle. You thought you were done with that lifestyle. It doesn't mean you don't love your baby. Okay, so stop feeling guilty about it. Let it be okay that that's how you feel right now. And I promise you, you will come out on the other side. You will get through it. I promise you. Okay, you can reach out to me if you're if this is you. I'm happy to talk to you because <laughs> I really do understand. I really do get it. So already Levi's uh, pregnancy is a surprise. And in the second trimester, Um, I started spotting, started bleeding, and I did not do that with any of my other babies. Some moms do. Um, I did not. 
Um, and I pretty much bled through the whole second trimester. Um, so much so that my um, midwife, I was not going to have a home birth. I was going to have a midwife in the hospital. She actually uh, referred me to one of the doctors. I became high risk at that point and was going to be delivering with an OB in, in the hospital. So that was already going to be a little bit different for me as a high risk patient. And um, I was on bed rest. So can I just say that's laughable? I have five children and they said bed rest. Those don't match. Like that does not work. I'm just saying that's hard. That's like impossible. Okay. But you're going to have to recruit some people, which we did family and friends and life group who stepped up and really, really helped out quite a bit, but it is not easy to be on complete bed rest, right? With your busy life. So I'm getting towards the end of my second trimester and at 25 weeks, uh, I go in, I'm, I'm going in for sonograms frequently, often checking on baby, checking on me. And the technician is looking at baby and she's like, I'll be right back and left the room. And I'm like, oh snap, that's not good. Uh, comes back in with my doctor and says, hey, you are now losing amniotic fluid. That is not good at 25 weeks, y'all. So the assumption is that I will be going into spontaneous labor at any moment. So I was care flighted to Scott and White in Temple, which is about 30 minutes away from Waco if you don't live here, um, where they have a really high-end NICU unit. Um, again, a 25-week-old. Um, that is, that's tough. That We have no idea what's going to happen, right? So we're going uh, to the hospital. My husband obviously is driving the car right behind us. And we go into the um, OR and I'm bleeding and losing fluid. And I can literally, y'all, I know this is awful, but I can literally hear it splashing and falling to the floor. There was that much. I did not go into labor that day, that night. So they admitted me, obviously. And I was still bleeding, still leaking amniotic fluid, but I was not going into labor. And so the name of the game at this point is you want to stay pregnant as long as you can. Okay. That's what we're trying to do. I'm 25 weeks pregnant. So I basically stayed in the hospital for 14 days with little to no amniotic fluid. How about that? That's kind of crazy, isn't it? But you didn't know that could happen. That's why when some people say, my water broke, I got to, you know, go right away. Well, maybe, you know. And of course, they're monitoring me. Uh, I'm on antibiotics. I'm getting steroid shots for the baby's lungs. Uh, they're making, you know, test every morning, my blood, everything. So I'm being highly, highly monitored, obviously, but stayed pregnant for 14 days, which is great. Um, then 27 weeks, it was a Monday, doctor walks in after getting my labs back and my clotting factors, those numbers are declining. And that's not good because if I go into spontaneous labor, the concern is they won't be able to stop the bleeding. So guess what? It's time to have an emergency C-section. Well, this mama was not happy because they've already convinced me 100% that every hour, every day counts for the baby. And I'm like, no, I want to stay pregnant. I'm fine. Like, I'm willing to take that risk. And my husband's like, oh, can I talk to my wife for a second? He's like, no, 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 baby. This doesn't work without you. We're not taking that risk. We, You can't. No, we're not going to run the risk that you're going to bleed out, right? You you die if that happens, y'all. If they can't stop the bleeding, that's, that's the scenario. So no, we, we're not going to go that direction. So that was very upsetting to me, very hard. 
because I know this is going to be a very long, hard journey for my baby and for my family. So I go in, um, it's time for the C-section. And unfortunately, they made the decision last minute that they were not going to do the friendly uh, horizontal bikini incision. They went vertical, old school on me because it is a lot faster to get baby out and sew mom back up. And remember the goal is that I'm not going to bleed, right? So I'm having surgery. I'm going to bleed some. So they're trying to get baby out as quickly as possible and start, you know, tending to him. I mean, he was immediately hooked up to oxygen. It was on the highest level that it can go. It was touch and go for about an hour of his life, right? So this all has to be quick. So they had to put me under, you know, it's the whole thing that you see, even on the movies, it's like you count backwards, 10, And the next thing you know, you wake up in the recovery room. It's just bizarre. So crazy. And in the recovery room, um, this is one of the things that I remember. And in the heat of a very intense, got to go get baby right now, which is not what I was counting on, worried about baby, having to have major surgery. I mean, y'all, he was 2.2 pounds. I could have sneezed that baby out. I had a 12 pounder. Like, oh my gosh, emergency season for a two pound baby. Okay, moving on, moving on. So one of the things that does stick out to me about this uh, particular um, birth experience, this very intense birth experience was um, in the recovery room. So my husband is with Levi in the NICU. Um, And so two of my very close friends were in the recovery room with me. And I woke up and I'm still super, super, super loopy. And we're having this conversation and they're like, um, you know, just talking to me. How are you feeling? How are you doing? And apparently I said, you know, some funny things. And, you know, one of, and one of the things I said was, hey, I kind of had my spa day and I whipped back the covers because, you know, they have to shave you for surgery. And I was like, I got my, you know, spa day and, you know, had my uh, waxing done, you know, and they start laughing. And one of my friends starts talking about, you know, I'm going to try a Brazilian or maybe a newborn. And I'm like, what's that? And it's like, they remove all of the hair. And I was like, oh, no, I don't think I want to look like an eight-year-old. No, no, thank you. I'm not going that route. Anyway, that's the one lighthearted moment in all of that experience. But it does stick out to me. I do remember that. Um, And it did help recovery a little bit in the recovery room. It I didn't get to see Levi for 24 hours um, because he can't come to me, obviously. And I can't go to him because uh, they can't wheel the bed in there into the NICU. I have to be able to to sit up and move to some degree. And so it was really strange. Um, they wheel me in to the NICU. They pull me up to this incubator thing. There's this little tiny baby that you can hardly see. And they said, there he is. There's your baby. I'm like, if you say so. I mean, you literally stole him out of my body. How do I know that that's my baby? That's how it felt in the moment. Like you gave birth. There, that's him. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm assuming that's him, right? So weird. So bizarre. And now a word from our sponsors. Now, you know, I, again, he is y'all 
underdeveloped for sure. He's hooked up to everything known to man. Uh, so, so little 2.2 pounds. You can't even imagine how small that is y'all. Um, he doesn't have like you can see through his skin. He doesn't have all the layers of his skin. Um, I can't touch him because, he, you know, like his head or anything like a, a brain bleed. It can happen. He's just that fragile. He's not supposed to be here yet. And so, you know, they do all of this stuff. And, you know, in terms of monitoring and temperature and gauges and all this. And then they when they're done, they put like a blanket over this incubator thing to kind of mimic the womb. It's dark. They don't mess with them for like three hours unless they have to, like there's some emergency type thing that they have to do. So you go in and see your baby every three hours because you want to leave him alone so that he can sleep and rest and grow. That's what he would be doing in the womb, right? So that's what they're trying to accomplish. That's what they're trying to do. So, you know, I'm in recovery. Um, I'm now in a room without my baby and I'm having to navigate major surgery. I've obviously never done that before. I mean, you talk about extremes, I mean, I gave natural birth at home to my first five. So this is, this is nowhere on my scale of knowledge or experience. And it was challenging, really, really challenging. And, um, you know, of course, my older five are worried about me. A couple of them aren't allowed to see him. They're too young. So the older ones got to go in and just look at him, basically. Um, so I go, I'm, I'm being released uh, after three days. But obviously, Levi is not. And I'm having to leave my baby. And that was, man, one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I am will be very transparent and very honest. I mean, I looked at my husband and I was like, hell no, I'm not leaving him. I, I, this is impossible. How can you even think that I could walk away from my baby? No. And I'm looking at him and he's in this incubator thing. And when I looked over at him, this is a defining moment in my life. I looked over at the incubator and y'all, I saw this huge, gigantic, muscular angel. Like this wasn't one of those little cupid little angels. This is like a um, Mr. Universe angel. <laughs> this huge, cramped inside, hovering over my son inside that incubator with him. Yeah jaw drop. Are you kidding? And I just started crying and I was like, Oh, okay. God, you have him. You're protecting him. You're watching over him. Cause I can't even hold him anyway. They won't even let me touch him. Right. That's what I needed to see and know in order to leave the hospital and leave my baby in someone else's care. Right. So I went home. I'm with my five kids. We made the choice. Um, for me to recover at home for the first three to four weeks. I literally had someone drive me to the hospital every day because I can't drive for six weeks. And the person who drove me was someone I didn't even know. It had gone out on our like uh, church website kind of thing that, hey, there's a need here. Can someone do this? And this sweet lady Barbara said, I can do it. So she picked me up every day and drove me so I could look at Levi. <laughs> for those first few weeks, all I could do was look. And I remember the day when I was finally able to hold him. I'm doing air quotes. And that literally meant I slid my hands underneath him and just held him. Like he was still in the incubator. I just had my hands under him. And then that was it. And, and so it progressed from there. And um, then I got to do the kangaroo hold. 
So the kangaroo hold is when you literally take your baby and plop baby like in your shirt, like skin to skin on the chest. And they look like a little kangaroo in a pouch, essentially. And oh my gosh, I was in absolute heaven the first time I got to do this. Well, every time I got to do it, but the first time I just was like, wow, this is amazing. I am so thankful. I am so blessed to get to be holding Levi for the first time, but I, it didn't last very long. The nurse is like, okay, mama, he's a little bit too happy, a little too comfortable. His heart rate's starting to go down. So we got to put him back. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay. So they've got, you know, on the heart thing, they're, they're monitoring him. And, and, you know, when they get, they'll get these dips, significant dips where they have to come back, they have to go over there and like, make sure that their heart rate's going to go back up. Sometimes they don't do that on their own. And that's what they're looking for, that they don't have any more of those and they recover on their own. That's kind of a big deal. Y'all right. I mean, yeah, you need your heart to recover on its own. So that was a big milestone that Levi was going to have to do and he couldn't do it yet. So the progress was slow, but I, like I said, I was able to recover quickly from my surgery because I wasn't also caring for a newborn. I literally was just focused on me getting better and focused on my other five children that hadn't been with me for a couple of weeks. And yeah, it was hard on everybody. So after the three or four weeks, I moved to the Ronald McDonald house in Temple and I essentially became Levi's caregiver. And what that means is I'm the one that showed up to the NICU every three hours and I did the temperature and I changed out the this and the that and I gave them the baths and I did the feeding tube and I all that stuff. Like they showed me and taught me how to do everything. And I'm going to tell y'all, I was one of the only parents there at the NICU. One of the only parents there. That made me really sad. That made me really hard. Because a lot of parents can't, they have other children. Maybe they went into labor on vacation. They don't even live there, you know? Um, and some parents are, man, it's, it's scary. Like if this is your first baby and they're in the NICU, yeah, you don't know what to do. I mean, you're relying on other people and you want the, the professionals to do it. But I was like, no, I'm doing it. I want to care for him. And so Levi and I, got lots and lots of alone time together in his first two months of his life. And I'm thankful for that. Like really thankful for that. Um, that's probably why he's a mama's boy. <laughs> Even though he's baby number six, he acts like an only child sometimes. And that, that's probably why, you know, anyway, because I was his caregiver, because I knew how to do everything, they saw that I was comfortable with him. You know, typically they make you stay. He was, he was a micro preemie and typically they make you stay at the hospital until their due date, which would have been January 13th. He was born October 13th. And, um, Thankfully, because I was his caregiver, they released him early and, um, I got to take him home before Christmas. So that was our Christmas present. And, um, I took home a four and a half pound baby <laughs> because I knew how to care for him because I was there every day, every three hours and I knew what to do and I felt confident in it. So we get home, we're all happy and excited that he's home and, and we're there. But I mean, it took all of us rallying together um, to take care of Levi. I mean, it was a full-time job and, uh, and I'm still a mom to five kids. And it was, it, that part was hard. I mean, I was in survival mode when I was living in the Ronald McDonald house, I was in survival mode. And so you just keep going and you just keep going and you just keep going. 
Um, I got home and that is when I crashed. That is when I experienced severe postpartum depression, y'all. Um, and it was, yes, as a result of everything that had just happened from, you know, finding out we were pregnant to bed rest to, you know, emergency C-section, micro preemie, me being gone. I mean, a slew of things worried about him and his health and it was exhausting. And so it took me some time. Like I felt like a crazy person, you guys. And, and, and so we quickly got me connected to a, a professional, a specialist. And so I, I was talking and I was, you know, getting therapy and it was very helpful for me. Um, because again, it all came down and it all hit me once I was home. Um, and so there's a couple of things that I really want you guys uh, to hear me say that I want you to understand and, and get to know a part of me that maybe you don't hear very often. One, I am a believer in God and without him, I'm nothing. Without his care and love for me and my family, two of my kids wouldn't be here. And without him showing me that angels are watching over us, I don't know how I would have coped leaving my baby. Y'all probably won't hear me get that raw, <laughs> but I want you to know that there is a God in whatever situation you're facing, whatever circumstance it is, I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to get on your knees. I'm asking you to seek someone out that is a believer that can walk alongside you. And I want you to see the miracles that he does. And the name of this episode is actually called miracle baby because he is. In fact, the um, NICU, all of the specialists and doctors, like when they, you know, meet because they see different babies and they're trying to work together on their behalf. They literally refer to Levi as the miracle baby. They would say, how's the miracle baby doing? Cause there was nothing wrong with Levi. Every test they ran totally fine. Eyesight totally fine drank them. I mean, when, as soon as they gave him food, totally fine. And, and lots of, uh, babies in NICU don't do well with those things. They are having surgeries. Uh, they have a perforated about bowel. They, their eye, they don't have a uh, vision anymore. I mean, it's, oh, it's sad. It's hard, but everything was, he was okay. He was just little, you know, he just needed to grow. And so I want you guys to know and see the miracles that God has in store for all of you. So that's one main thing I want you to hear. The other thing I want you to hear is it's okay that things aren't okay. I mean, my life got rocked and it was not fun. It is not a chapter I would have written in the story of my life. That's, I wouldn't have signed up for that. It was tough. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through y'all. It, it, it was hard, very hard. And I was a mess, <laughs> an absolute basket case you know what? It's okay. It's okay. And I, and I got the help that I needed. I sought out the people that I needed to talk to, to help me work through my experience through that. So I want you to hear me say, it's okay if you're not okay, but don't be alone in it. Find help, talk through what you need to talk through. Um, make sure that you've got people in your life that are encouraging, that are a positive influence on you. You know, don't, don't spiral out of control. Okay. It's okay to not be okay. And it is, it just is, but you don't want to spiral to the point of no return. Right. And so that means you need to be proactive. That means you need to talk. That means you need to get help. And so Levi's story is very special 
to me. It is, again, completely different from my other kids. His story is. That's okay, though. And it was hard. Start to finish that experience was really hard. But, y'all, I don't look at Levi and go, dang it, I can get the birth I wanted. I've never had that thought. Never. Because the, the medical system professionals care saved his life I mean he was in we were in the right place they were able to help him and and his growth and in his health and with his medical issues that were we were faced with I mean good night I mean it was intense it was tough and so I'm not mad I, I and I look at Levi with fondness I look at Levi with I feel uh, relief. And I, and I actually feel joy because of the things I got to experience because of the things I said a minute ago about how powerful God is and miracles that happen in our life. I mean, those are the things that I took with me because of Levi's experience. And so I want you guys to do the same thing. I want you to be able to look back at your experiences and even the things that were hard, even the things that were difficult for you to go, no, I can find something here. There are things here that I can take away with me that can be good, that can be positive. And if you're really stuck and if you're really struggling with that, um, I have seen um, how really being able to process with someone um, has been, is very helpful. Our clients get that in our postpartum uh, visit that we do with them, uh, being able to process their experience. And it really has been great. And so I've taken that and I now offer postpartum processing sessions for anyone. I mean, you don't have to be a client. You don't have to live here. I don't even have to know you. And so I've been able to do several of these with some people and it has been really amazing to see someone absolutely completely stuck and struggling with something about their birth experience and not being able to move past it, feeling guilty or scared or whatever. And then after this one hour conversation, and I think it's because I have so much birth experience, I'm able to speak directly to those things. I know what you're talking about and probably why you ended up where you ended up. And so I think being able to talk to a birth doula who's been doing this a long time probably adds a dimension that you might not get otherwise. So I think that's one reason why it has been really successful in just an hour's time. And so I'm really getting excited about seeing the healing and the shift and the change that's happening with these sweet mamas that are needing a little bit more to get past their experience. So check my website, my doula Micah. Instagram page, whatever. And, and let's get connected. If that, if you're someone that you feel like you would benefit from that, I would love, love, love to talk to you. I'd love to help you. So I wanted to mention that, you know, again, this particular episode, I decided to be super real. I, I want to be real on this podcast. I want you to get a sense of who I am completely, all of who I am. And y'all just saw a really big part of me. And I have thoroughly enjoyed sharing my personal birth stories with you guys. And I hope all of you got something out of it. Hey, thanks for joining me on game day. Birds, not balls. You can follow me on my Instagram page at my doula Micah. You can also find me on Waco doula.com. Waco doula is on Facebook. And if you like what you heard, you can subscribe or you can find us on rogue media network.com. Thanks for joining us. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.